Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria, your You Care podcast. Every 10 days or so, the Urticaria network of centers of reference and excellence for Urticaria is putting together um, a podcast episode that deals with some of the more important questions and interesting topics in Urticaria. And today, we have a very interesting topic suggested by one of you, our listeners, which we love because we want to talk about things that you find interesting that you want to hear about. So thank you very much for this suggestion. I have with me today again, and I'm very happy about this, Ricardo Acero. Hello, Ricardo. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks and hello to everybody. Ricardo, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I know that some of them know you because they listened to episode 28 a long time ago where we had a very interesting discussion on the pathogenesis of urticaria. But maybe some of our listeners missed that. Um, where are you and why do you love urticaria? Yes, um, I'm, a, I'm a private practice. I'm working currently in the area of Milan, Italy, and uh, I've been um, involved in Orticaria for some 20 years or so. Mm. And I have a lot of other interests between them and also food allergy, drug allergy, and, and so on. So, and also molecular allergology. And I'm very happy to be here to discuss about the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs in urticaria. That's right, because this is what brings two of your interests together, drug hypersensitivity or allergy plus urticaria, chronic urticaria, acute urticaria. Ricardo, why don't you start us off by explaining a little bit what these NSAIDs are, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Well, it's a very large um, family of, of uh, drugs that are from, come from different chemi uh, chemical structures. They, so they are, there are several different chemical families inside the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs superfamily. Mm -hmm. And they, most of, of the cases, they have the, a characteristic that is the inhibition of the cyclooxygenase one enzyme. Uh, there are some of these uh, drugs that make some exception. That is, they have a prevalence to the inhibition of the uh, cyclooxygenase two. Mm -hmm. And this difference is very important when we have to choose between which kind of non-steroidal inflammatory drugs suggest to our patients on the basis of the fact they have a single reactivity or a multiple reactivity, chronic urticaria or not. And this makes a difference. So it is important that uh, the, our listeners uh, know exactly which kind of family uh, the different non-steroidal inflammatory drugs uh, belong to. Absolutely. And for those um, who uh, would like to know 
what these drugs are in real life. Well, they are drugs that we use for pain and fever, include aspirin and diclofenac and uh, ibuprofen and many more, like you say. So how do we bring order to this group of diseases, uh, especially when it comes to urticaria? No? Um, acute maybe first, and then we can talk about chronic urticaria. Well, along with the antibiotics, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are the most frequent cause of adverse reactions because they are so widely used in, in the general population. They, uh, many of them are also over-the-counter uh, mm. drugs. So uh, it makes not very uh, surprised that, that um, they are so frequently involved in adverse reactions. But anyway, uh, there are two main uh, um, adverse reactions that are of interest for the allergologist that are the respiratory ones and the cutaneous ones. Right. So um, on the basis of which kind of uh, um, reactivity you have in, in, your in the practice, in the clinical practice, you can understand which is the pathogenic uh, role of, of, the, of the, these drugs, and you can understand which are the drugs you can suggest to the patients and which are the drugs that you should um, patients uh, tell to avoid. This is a very, a very important distinction, I think. Ricardo, what do we know about risk factors or predictors? Are people who have uh, skin problems, when mostly urticaria, uh, when they take uh, non-steroidal antiphlogistic drugs, are they different from those who have respiratory uh, problems? Um, the pathogenesis is more or less the same because it's based on the inhibition of the cyclooxygenase one uh, pathway, and this deviates the, the metabolism of these uh, drugs uh, towards the leukotrienes. So uh, we can have, it depends also on the genetic predisposition of the different patients, of course. There are some patients that have exquisitely respiratory uh, reactions that are the, the, the patients that have the so-called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs exacerbated respiratory disease. These are patients that have normally a rhinus sinusitis, often with nasal polyposis, and also a history of chronic asthma. Mm -hmm. And these respiratory problems are extremely amplified by the when they take the anti-inflammatory drugs that are inhibitors of the cyclooxygenase one. Yeah. And of course, when we have a patient that has nasal polyposis and and then uh, rhinosinusitis and asthma and has an exacerbation, taking, for instance, aspirin or diclofenac or or something else, uh, we can be sure that all the drugs that uh, have the same mechanism of action, that means inhibitors of uh, cyclooxygenase, that is COX-1, should be avoided by these patients because they all have the same mechanism of action and, and they are potentially able to induce very severe reaction, respiratory reactions. And more or less the same occurs in two different uh, groups of patients. 
one with chronic urticaria mm -hmm. and one without chronic urticaria. So uh, we have the so-called NECD, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory ex exacerbated cutaneous disease patients that have a history of chronic urticaria that maybe has a normal course and it's extremely amplified with angioedema often when they take some anti-inflammatory drugs. And this happens virtually only with the drugs that are COX-1 inhibitors. Right. There is a, similarly another uh, subgroup of patients that don't have as uh, underlying cross uh, chronic urticaria, they have the same problem. They mm. are multiple reactors against the uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And these patients have the same mechanism of, uh, of action without having a, a, a known urticaria. I, many years ago, I uh, carried out a, a personally a study and was able to show that patients without underlying crossing or cross, uh, chronic urticaria that had reactivity to several non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, if they were followed up for more than five years, many of these patients developed a spontaneous chronic urticaria yeah. at the end. Yeah. So the, the multiple reactivity to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs might predict in a to a certain extent, not all, of course, sure. uh, the development of a chronic spontaneous urticaria yeah. also. Let's go to the chronic spontaneous urticaria patients where it's about one third, right, mas or menos, one third of patients who have um, this hypersensitivity, let's call it, to um, to the non-steroidal antiphlogistics. That, that means when they take a, an aspirin or ibuprofen or diclofenac, they will experience exacerbation reproducibly often no it's uh, something that's uh, um, yeah it's going to happen again and again if they keep taking it uh, they will get worsening of the disease in practical terms ricardo uh, these patients should not use these drugs right they should stop using them so that they don't run the risk of uh, worsening of their disease Yes, on the basis of the European Network on Drug Allergy, uh, we made a position paper about this several years ago. And uh, the first name was Marek Kowalski in, uh, of this paper. And we uh, clearly established that when a patient has a clear exacerbation, starting from a chronic spontaneous urticaria after taking a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, it's probably useless to test or challenge these patients with other COX-1 inhibitors because right. you have to, to give it for granted that the patient will probably react to these other drugs. Right. What, um, so we have to move to drugs that are little or not at all inhibitors of the COX-1 enzyme. Okay. And this could be uh, paracetamol, that is also called uh, acetaminophen, or um, etoricoxib, or in general coxibs, because these are more selective COX-2 in, COX inhibitors, or uh, 
other um, central um, analgesics that have nothing to do with, with the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. One of the very interesting things in this issue is that the reactivity uh, of patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria um, towards the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs frequently depends on the uh, state of activity of the underlying disease. So yeah. many patients, when they are in a remission state and don't have spontaneous urticaria lesions, they can tolerate drugs that were able to induce severe reactions maybe one or two years before. Exactly. But currently, we don't have uh, so many markers that are telling us how the story is outside the, the clinical aspect of the patients, how many uh, wheels and uh, do you have uh, currently and uh, how long ago did you have the last uh, angioedema episode and so on. So right. it, it's, one must be always very cautious with, with these patients with, with chronic urticaria. I agree because I've seen patients who, after taking one tablet of aspirin or getting one shot of diclofenac, you know, have weeks and weeks of increased disease activity that can be very hard to control. But I like your message, Ricardo. A well-controlled uh, chronic spontaneous urticaria is less likely to show exacerbation um, than one that has high disease activity. And well-controlled could come from spontaneous remission or uh, clinical remission induced by good treatment. I think this is a very important message to listeners out there, patients and physicians. But let me take it one step further. If 30% or 40%, somewhere um, in that range of patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria are at risk of developing uh, worsening of their disease with these drugs. Should we recommend to all chronic spontaneous urticaria patients to not take these drugs? Um, in my opinion, this depends on the clinical history of the, of the patients. Patients uh, come generally with a history of, of a long-standing chronic urticaria, so they probably have had the opportunity to take some anti-inflammatory drugs. And uh, when the patient tells you, the last time I had a flu, I took uh, aspirin and nothing happened. Mm. So you are quite sure that the patient could, to could tolerate this, this non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. If the patient tells you, for instance, the last time I had uh, some, some problem, in my joint and then I had to take the clofenac and it was a complete disaster because in a couple of hours I was completely covered with with wheels and yeah. I had the angioedema and so on it was a very I was completely red and so on you have to classify this patient into the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs reactors right his clinical history is essential in this case I don't know whether it is it makes sense to uh, submit patients in whom the clinical history is not helpful uh, to the challenges. Mm, we can discuss this. I think. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm also mixed about this, usually also because 
uh, there are other drugs that can be used and can be used successfully without running the risk of exacerbating chronic urticaria with provocation if uh, the outcome is positive. Hey, Ricardo, I um, just last week met a very interesting patient and she asked me, um, uh, and she had experienced um, uh, exacerbation with diclofenac. Um, and she asked me, what about my low dose aspirin treatment that she takes? No daily low dose aspirin treatment. Um, what's your recommendation? Is that something that patients uh, should continue or should we be more cautious and stop that? Mm, this is a very good question because the uh, low uh, dose aspirin treatment is very common among the oldest patients that have cardiac diseases. And so we have to decide how to behave with these patients. I normally um, first try to substitute aspirin with another inhibitor of platelet aggregation for a, a couple of weeks and look whether something changes. If nothing changes, uh, I, I, I suggest to start again with low-dose uh, aspirin because the, it's not enough, probably, the dose to induce the exacerbation because it's also a dose-dependent matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Um, I'm looking at the time; it's like flying, Ricardo. I have so many more questions. I think we have to have part two eventually. Um, one more question, and that is: patients ask me, "Well, what about creams?" No, sports creams, sports gels. No, I, I think we can be very certain that whatever a tablet does is also going to happen with an injection, you no know, interarticular or or intramuscular injection. But what about the creams? Do you think that it is possible that enough substance, enough medication is absorbed to do something to the urticaria? Um, I saw some cases of uh, diclofenac cream that were able to induce a local reaction, a strong reaction, but it was mostly only in the in the area where the cream the cream was applied. Yeah. So, but uh, since there is also um, the, the 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 type four pathogenesis, uh, that means that. Uh, uh, delayed hypersensitivity reactions with these drugs. We don't know exactly. Of course, if the patient has a basis of chronic spontaneous urticaria, you have to suspect that this something is happening and probably changing the cream with something that is uh, not containing non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs is the most uh, makes most sense. In, in I agree. I agree. And it's sometimes it's vicious because, um, you know, these are drugs that can be obtained over the counter. And it's not always clear on the package that part of what is in this medication is a non-steroidal antiphlogistic. Um, we have a very popular painkiller here in Germany where it's part aspirin and part paracetamol. Um, and it's not obvious from the package label immediately that there is a non-steroidal antiphlogistic in that drug. So I, I think we really need to take the time when advising and counseling our patients, especially those who have 
experienced exacerbation of their disease with an anti-inflammatory uh, drug, that they need to be cautious and they need to really look um, and see what drugs they're being prescribed, what drugs they buy, um, and uh, uh, be on the safe side. If they are doubtful, then they should not take it, no? Yeah, I, I fully agree. There are a lot, in Italy, there are a lot of drugs that are based on ketoprofen, for instance, that are over the counter and can be bought by, by the pharmacy without any receipt. So uh, I, it, I think this is a large part of the information that we have to provide the patient. I agree. Ricardo, we have to stop. I can't believe it. I have so many more questions. We are going to do this again. I wanted to talk about the mechanism, the molecular mechanism that I know you're also very interested in. Let's summarize. If you had three things that every urticaria treater and every urticaria patient should know about non-steroidal antiflogistics and chronic urticaria, what would those three things be? Uh, to the doctors, I would suggest the first thing is you have to understand whether the patient belongs to the NECD group or not okay. by clinical history and maybe also verifying in the clinic if the patient tolerates some drugs or not. To the patient, uh, I think that we should uh, give them the following information. Be cautious because your condition is a condition that makes, puts you at risk of having adverse reaction to a certain category of drugs that are not the antibiotics, but are the anti-inflammatory drugs. And then provide also some uh, suggestions to both uh, the, the doctors, the, the GPs mostly, and the patient, which are the best alternative drugs that can be taken into account if you have such a problem. And again, those are paracetamol and the COX-2 inhibitors. Um, Ricardo, thank you so much. Uh, your insights are always welcome. I'm sure that the listener who wanted this episode is very appreciative of all the wisdom you have shared. Ricardo, um, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a pleasure and see you next time. Grazie, grazie. Uh, look, folks, this is all the time we have. I uh, had the pleasure to uh, have Ricardo Acero in this episode of All Things Urticaria. We spoke about non-steroidal antiflogistics, aspirin, diclofenac, ibuprofen, which can make chronic urticaria worse and which can induce acute urticaria. I hope you like the information we shared. We are going to put a little bit um, of reading material in the show notes, also some other links that you may find helpful. There's also a feedback uh, item there that you can use to let us know how you liked this episode or previous episode, and you can suggest topics, questions that we should focus on in the future. This was All Things Urticaria with Ricardo Acero. Thank you very much for listening. And please go back and listen to those episodes that you have not had the chance to listen yet. And please come back for our next episode of this You Care podcast. Bye-bye.